0: It's uncanny how timely Know Your History can be. Just as we sort of drift down a rabbit hole or two, Damien Fleming has taken us down a rabbit hole of how we celebrate outstanding national achievement in sport and his memories of 1999 past the, post the World Cup. When we won in 99 in England, we were supposed to stay for two days there, but we, we management, Brute Bernard, our um, Steve Bernard, our manager, got the call from... Um, uh, John Howard's office, that we, we need to get home. We need to get to the
1: lodge. Yes. So we
0: virtually partied all day and um, into the morning, got onto a plane, went straight to a big function at Crown. Did we? Do, I think we did the parade in Melbourne. And then the next night we're at the lodge um, with Johnny Howard hosting us. Nobody knows our history better than Shannon Gill. Our cafe, coffee, catch-up, 30 days, 30 deals is back at Macca's. Hello to you, Shannon. Hello, Jared. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. What? There's a bit more detail uh, than 99,
1: isn't there? There is. And I, I, we, some colleagues and I did a bit of research on this a few years ago, and we, we spoke to Flem about it. There, it wasn't just a ticker tape parade. It was a ticker tape tour. And so it, it went Wednesday in Melbourne. Ticket tape parade, hundred thousand people. On the Saturday, then the the Melbourne based players went and were paraded with the cup at a St Kilda and Collingwood match at Waverley Park. Price, of which Flem had a footy and says he kicked he kicked a goal from 40 meters out on Waverley Park. This is the last year of Waverley as a as a venue. Then the cup gets flown to Sydney that, that night or that afternoon. Uh, and the Sydney-based players did a lap at a rugby test between Australia and England. But wait, there's more. More! (laughs) Then on the Monday, the entire team goes and does a ticker tape parade of Sydney. So there was a bit of a battle of trying to, who would get the ticker tape parade. They were bidding for which, which city would get the ticker tape parade. Both got it. And then that night on the Monday was when they went to the lodge. So... That's how much things have changed. We're we're talking about whether there should be a Ticker Tape Parade. Cities were bidding for the Ticker Tape Parade back in 1999.
0: We can't do a Ticker Tape Parade anymore, Jared. As the world heads towards paperless, we'd have to throw (laughs) used USB sticks as the players, which probably raises an OH&S issue, Chris, in Batemans Bay. So I just got to the end on a plane on the weekend of... um, Welcome to Wrexham, which yeah. finishes with the ticker tape parade through the streets. They were expecting 15,000. They had 40,000 hanging out of trees. All all the right echoes. And evidently this year, Argentina, uh, for the World Cup victory, had a parade that took hours, just hours, mm. everyone in the streets. I think one of the most famous, Sam in Thomastown, is going to remind us of one of the most famous in this city. Hello to you, Sam. Yeah, good morning, Jared and Shannon. Yeah, one of the most famous was Lionel Rose when he, he won the World Bantamweight Championship from fighting Harada in Japan. And they came back and they started lining up from Tullamarine. And there was a quarter of a million people in the city. And it was just as big as the Beatles when they came in 64. It was that crowded. And also at halftime in the line in the sand game between Essendon and Hawthorne, the Olympic Games team are paraded around the ground. And they were all sitting in the AFL members, and then they came back, and a lot of them left after the punch-up. <laughs> Sam, great memories. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Lionel Rose, just by the looks of things, was paraded routinely through the city. Yeah. Sometimes in the Moomba parade, sometimes as he was heading off to fight, and then after he'd beaten fighting Hirada, one three hundred seven three six seven three
1: six. And of course, he later on. Was paraded on Waverley Park on Grand Final Day alongside a Batmobile. <laughs> nice. Um, what else have you got? So I've got the Wallabies. Yes, Wallabies. I think after they'd won the World Cup, th- there was a, it was a big thing for cricket. I think it came back into vogue. The 1989 Ashes oh, tour yeah. was when ticket tape parades <laughs> became became a, a thing again. So they they came back and, and had a ticket tape parade in Sydney, and then they came and were paraded at the Grand Final. 95 after the win in the West Indies, there was a ticket tape parade in 99, as we spoke about, but perhaps the biggest ticket tape parade was not for an Australian team in Australia. So in 1960, 61 test series, which is the famous test series with the tide Test between West Indies and Australia. And at the time uh, test cricket was seen as being um, really in the doldrums because of the uh, uninspiring cricket being played. The West Indies come to Australia. It's a magnificent test series. The Tide Test happens. There's lots of other great matches in that series. And when the West Indies team leaves, there is a sense that they have saved Test Cricket. And if, the, if, you're, if you believe the reports, the streets of Melbourne in February, when the West Indies leave to go home, 500,000 people oh, wow. in Melbourne lined the streets for a ticket tape parade to yep. farewell the West Indies. So, I mean, it's a, different, it's a different time, but, you know, let's bring back the ticker tape.
0: Yes. So, the last one I can think of, I've held these texts back because Andrew is going to tell us about it. Andrew's in Edith Vale. Andrew, welcome.
1: Hi, Jared. Um, look,
0: the, the last one I can remember actually was, um, was around Cadell Evans
1: winning the Tour de France. Um, when he arrived back, I'm not sure if it was in Melbourne or it was in Sydney. It was Melbourne. It may have been Melbourne. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just remember the you know, the great celebration around it and um, you know, the um, celebration of, you know, his outstanding achievement. He
0: yeah. did he did the ride, that we didn't mm. pop him in a car, he rode the Tour de France victorious bike yeah. to Federation Square. That was the, so that's 2011. That that's the
1: one that most recently comes to mind for me. And I feel like ticket tapes now are, are probably going to be firsts, like that one, like a Tour de France or a, a Matilda's World Cup or something like that. That's when we're going to really latch on to ticket tapes again. Yep.
0: So Cadel on his bike, yellow jersey, uh, and there's a lot of memories of that. J. L. from Southeast was Eleven's rolling down Saint Kilda Road. Mm post Tour de France victory, the last ticker tape parade. Parade. Cadell Evans' homecoming at Federation Square was televised around the country. That, my memory of it was carried on multiple stations mm. live. Gordon, Cadell Evans riding through the city, Chuck to to be there that day. Um, wasn't, uh, boys, wasn't there. A big one in Federation Square for Cadell Evans on his yellow bike after his Tour de France victory. That's from Bushy. So that's chiming with, with a lot of people. Um, I had the honour of conducting the interview at Fed Square when he arrived there. So that's the last one I can think of. There are presentations of teams and and the keys to the city and so up on stage at various venues, but the proper ticker tape parade um, isn't really part of what we do It's an interesting
1: thing. We obviously have the the pre-grand final parade, but if the AFL had have paraded the Collingwood team on Monday in a ticket tape parade in Melbourne after a grand final win. I think you're getting a couple of hundred thousand people there.
0: Yeah. So I think in small, so yeah. Adelaide did it with the Crows. Yes. There's vision of Blighty surrounded by the the public of Adelaide mm. on the back of a Ute and uh, Geelong in at least a couple of their premiership years yeah. did the parade through their city. So it's still done in some form. Yeah, or other. but, it but
1: that, is, it's more a gathering now, isn't it? And I yep. think back to when Melbourne came back from, from Perth, they had the, the day at the MCG and that sort of thing. I wonder when the. So
0: there were huge ticker tape parades oh. in every city after Olympians came yes. home. Um, and I'm just trying to think when the last of those would have been. And, and they were a, a sequence
1: as mm. city to city to yeah. city, so that everybody got a piece of it. It's sort of. It's, it's almost like we've become blasé about some achievements and that, that therefore the ticker tape is not something we call for, but which is, a, which is a shame. Yeah. But I think some achievements do call for it. Like the Cadell achievement obviously is going to be something that's, we've never experienced before.
0: I'm going to pass this on to Cricket Australia. It's from Gavin from Albury who heard what Jeff was saying before and he was talking to his dad about just that. I would Mm. love to see some sort of recognition on day one of each test and then the three trophies on the concourse in glass cases during each test where fans can take photos with them. I still remember having my photo taken with the 99 World Cup trophy as a nine-year-old and it was the highlight that year For me, along with being there for Brett Lee's debut
1: at the G. There is still something magic about seeing a trophy in the flesh, isn't there? Uh, Even I went down to uh, Carlton training before they played in the final series this year. And and in the foyer at at Carlton is all of the, all of the premiership cups and just the, the, the people coming in standing next to premiership cups and getting their photos taken was, was amazing.
0: Yeah. Yep. all right. So ticket tape parades from years gone by. O four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Um, you you've guided us through the World Cup, and you told us last week around the place of mm. each final and
1: each champion in history. First blush on what we just lived through. My my first thought is that if India had have won this World Cup, they would have sat atop the mountain, and we all sit below, and we all bow before India. The fact that Australia's won the World Cup is that it's Australia and India sitting at the top of the mountain of world cricket and everyone else is well below. So I think that is, a, that is something that, that may play out over the next little while. Um, but I, I look at, yes, we won the Test Championship against India. I still think the fact that India have beaten us in the last few Test series, both home and away, means they're the, they're the heavyweight champion of, the, of world cricket. But I think we, we are absolutely standing next to them. As the as the, the the next best contender, and you know we can make the argument after after this week that we're they're equal. And where do
0: you think this achievement will find its place as time goes on mm. for an Australian
1: team? Well, it's interesting. I, I look at it, and I think there's there's certain elements that punctuate each of our wins. Now, what will this win be known as? I, I'm I'm sort of thinking it's. It's the win. It's it's almost sort of the the team win, with fielding as our as our calling card. Yes, we had the Maxwell moment. Yes, we've had Travis Head's um, century in the final, and we've Mitch Marsh had his big century. But it's not as if one player has sort of dominated the tournament right throughout. And I think even when we think of the when we think of the final in years to come are we going to think more about Travis Head's century or are we going to think more about Travis Head's catch? Yeah, And I feel like the catch might be the thing that we think about more, which sort of plays into, okay, Australia is clearly right up there with India. But I don't know if we could argue that head-to-head batting and bowling, that we are more talented than India. But I think our fielding dragged us over the line. Something that was ordinary at the start of the World Cup and then, came to the fore in various ways. Think of, think of Marnus on the boundary in the last over v New Zealand. That outfielding pretty much won that game. Think of Dave Warner taking a catch against Sri Lanka in, in the deep, which sort of awoke us from a slumber. So I think this is, this is almost the World Cup won by fielding, and that might be something that, that we remember it by. So the touchstone for this is always the Bobby Simpson days. Mm. Could it be a marker of Andrew McDonald's years well, that wouldn't it, really matter the well, fielding? It's funny how uh, how um, history repeats because when Australia won its first World Cup in 1987, we were, we were, one of, were not any, anywhere near the, one of the fancies for that tournament. But it was sort of seen as a, a World Cup one on work ethic and fielding and installed by by Bobby Simpson, who had recently taken over. And that was, that was his thing. So if we're not going to be the best batting or bowling team, we're going to be the best fielding team. So there's a little bit of that that echoes as well, I think. Know your history.
0: Shannon Gill is in the studio. We have our McCafe catch up each Thursday. Barista made ice cold drive through for your iced coffee favorites at McCafe. We'll delve a little further into the reminiscing of drafts gone by with you next. Yvonne Goulagong. Uh, is remembered as a ticker tape parade. Newcastle Knights in 1997 was huge. I can admit that's sort of the sweet spot. Late 90s, team that represents your whole town, wins the competition. Absolutely, that would have been that would have been something. 0433 98 something. O four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen ping through your thoughts. Melbourne's weather, partly cloudy, a top of 26 for city power supply and powder homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. Bit of footy in your family too. Mick Nolan, the
1: galloping gasometer. He'd be full of advice, wouldn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mick's obviously a different player to what I am, but yeah, um, he had an awesome career at North Melbourne. So yeah, hopefully I can do the same as what he did.
0: Hands down, my favourite moment of the draft coverage. So that was pick eighteen, Darcy Wilson, who's the great nephew of Mcnolan. So terrific historical mm. reference point by Ben Dixon. But then you go, know, when did Mcnolan pass away? He he died in two thousand and eight. So I suspect. Darcy is three
1: or four at the time. might not be much advice coming that way.
0: <laughs> so you can, you, you can just trip up on telly, and I've done this <laughs> many a time in any sort of way. So we thought a bit of reminiscing over the draft yeah. as a television product, but which has now been refined, and, and simulcast as you could have watched either. Mm. Fox's coverage, um, which... I work for Fox, but it was exceptional if you wanted everything. Yeah. And then you've got Cal teaming over on AFL.com who just knows everything. So you're absolutely
1: spoiled for choice. Well, I did a bit of digging and the first ever draft on TV was 30 years ago. So 1993. And I, I checked the TV guide to see what it was up against. So it was at, on channel seven at 1030 in the morning. What would have been up against on a Friday morning? So right. What, what, would, have, <laughs> Friday what morning. would have been up against the draft? There was, there was the news, the morning news. There was entertainment tonight. There was what's cooking with Gabrielle Gatay, <laughs> and there was Sally Jesse Raphael. Do you remember? Oh. It was it was like the the prototype Jerry Springer. Yeah, it was yeah. the not as not as extreme Jerry Springer. <laughs> so that's what it was up against. I have no ratings figures, so I don't know whether it won its slot. But that was. That was the, the competition. That's proper and... niche, isn't it? There, <laughs> Sandy Roberts hosted it. If something's ever changed. Shifter Sheehan was part of the broadcast, oh, really? and the late Slug Jordan, who, you know, famously <laughs> did the special comments the day John Burke went berserk. Um, he was he was providing special comments on it all, and provided some interesting ones. But there was actually a, a, a report in the Age afterwards, which sort of critiqued. <gasps> the, the draft. And um, there's a few interesting, interesting things. Gubby Allen said that they, they knew that people there, the recruiters knew the TV with, with cameras were on. They were doing different things like they were wearing their club uniforms. <laughs> so that was, that was his thought. Then there was one Jared, excuse my language. One unnamed coach described it all as it was a wank. <laughs> They're trying to elevate it to the status of an American draft occasion. And of course it's not that. I don't know what the telecast was like, but from our point of view, it was an unnecessary distraction. (laughs) Now, some people might say 30 years on what's changed, but it's, it's come a long way. So it's
0: had various iterations along the way. So when channel 10 had the TV rights, Hutto and I were handed the draft and I was trying to think back last night. So Definitely the first year, it was just an extended sports tonight Mm. on the Sunday night, so probably an hour at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, just a recap of all that had happened and clipped interviews that we'd either been out and done or however they landed. And then by the end of what we were doing, it was during the day, but was still not live coverage. Mm. It was off the back of, so you'd package it up and then I think Rhett Bart that's got some of yes, this kicking around on Twitter and I running through the teams. But, and then I'm sure by the end of our time at 10 shifter was part of that as well. He would yeah. come from the draft and join us as a, as a recap rather than a,
1: a, a tortured live coverage. Yeah. And, and now it, it is what it is when it, when it went to Fox, it sort of became the, the live product it is now. And I thought I I went along to the draft just to have a look this, this year. And it's a, It is, if you've never been before, it is a, it's an interesting beast because you had the room downstairs, which was like a nightclub and it had a DJ and it had all that sort of thing happening. And some people like that and some people don't like that. But the, I think the, from a television perspective, the idea of having the mates around actually gave it a bit of a lift, but then you go upstairs to where the media and the clubs are and it's completely different. It's the most sterile thing you've ever been at. So it's a really interesting, interesting sort of juxtaposition. And you, you see the kids come from the, the celebration downstairs and then go upstairs and see, you know, media and so forth. And it's, oh, wow, I'm, this is now what I've got to deal with. This is, th- their lives are changing in front of your eyes. So
0: There's a lot coming through on the text. So. Part of what sticks are the looks on faces mm. and you can, you can actually catalog those. I'll never ever forget the look on Des Headland's face when Brisbane took him. Devastation. Yet Fev was ecstatic next to him. I like this. <laughs> Troy and Glen Iris. I was so excited about the draft in 1993. Me and my mate had uni and his mum had promised to record it for us. Get back after the lecture and she has taped it on the wrong channel. <laughs> Shattering. That was a so. She, she of got what co- gone by. They
1: got what's cooking, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Mozart was Bert Newton would have been crossing to Moira. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to join in. So there's a in America the draft is different because mm. there are college players who everyone knows incredibly well, and the college games as everybody knows, yeah. they're played in front of bigger crowds than the NFL and their local celebrities and sort of their thrust forward into the world. So this year's NFL draft was outside um, Arrowhead Stadium mm. in Kansas City. So it starts with the massive hoo-ha of, uh, of Mahomes and Kelsey presenting the trophy and it it is an extravaganza and there's a, a huge stage that's been built. And there's a live audience and part of those moments in American drafts are when the crowd reacts poorly to a selection that their team has made. So there's a posse of each group of supporters. And then the second day of the draft, they had each team had almost a supporter come up to do the, to read the next pick. And um, NFL Australia took at least one Australian over there Mm. to read a draft pick. So, Built into that is all sorts of layers of, I don't know whether it's interesting or not, because yeah. it's still the progressive
1: naming of players the walk out exactly what we just saw. Well, I, I feel this year was the, the closest we may ever get to a player being picked who is already a celebrity. Yes. Harley, Harley Reid has been the number one pick for more than 12 months in this draft. So I think we knew Harley Reid better that anyone we've ever picked number one before. But as you say, we don't, we don't sit, we don't sit and watch under 18 games in mass numbers and they're under 18. That's the other thing. They're under 18. Now there's a, in generally in American sport, they're going to be a little bit older than that. So yeah. it is, it is difficult to replicate what it is in America.
0: Yeah. it, it It's just straight up. Not like for like mm. um, Nick. I had both draft Coverages streaming at once had the sound on one, uh, on one I was watching at a time. If it was a pick I was interested in, I would tune into Fox and watch the team's pick and the reaction. If it was the background chatter, I'd go to Cal and Co for all the tidbits. Mm. So spoiled for choice in all yeah. of that. Um, can it be refined further? That's the question that's been asked. The draft coverage can still be refined. Save the player interviews till later on in the night. Let the players have their moment with family and friends and their new club. That's the push and pull of it. You want as raw a reaction as you can get before it's. you want the bubbling emotion and they're not quite sure what to say rather than the composure that would come 20 minutes. Later. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. I the, went to a few of the press conferences upstairs of the players. And first of all, they did really well for, for For kids that have never stood in front of that number of cameras and that number of reporters. But I think particularly you're going to get more out of that than that. The initial quick interview on TV. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is that, it's sort of it? it is just for color and Mm. reaction and something that might last as opposed to the more thoughtful, longer form of the press conference, which uh, you can't commit. That time too, I don't think, in the live coverage. bit of Know Your History with Shannon Gill. You're most welcome to join in 0433 98 11 16 40 Wings Temper Text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings serious about sleep. Here's Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. The OMF Big Big Spring Sale is on now with up to 60% off selected mattresses. Uh, Shannon, so you mentioned Harley Reid there and mm. there is an element of of a town thrusting forward a player and you spent some time in Tongala in the lead up to the
1: draw I did I had been to Tongala before and uh loved the place and when I knew that this was happening I thought I I wanted to go up there and talk to the locals about what it means to the town and it's a funny thing you get it's a it's a town of 1900 people and as as someone explained to me this do, this thing sort of thing doesn't happen to one pub towns like Tongala it's a, it's a one pub town and I went into a a, um, a farm supply shop there and sort of asked around and said, Harley Reid, and about three people jumped out. And there was the guy who had coached him this year. There was the footy manager at Tongala, all telling stories. And that's the sort of connection. I think people can get, dra- kids can get drafted from the suburbs and yes, they'll have their, their people that know them, but it doesn't engage every element of society. Like it, is in Tongala at the moment. So it's a really, it's a really special thing. Um, they don't, it, it doesn't, yeah, as I said, it's, it's never happened to a place like that before. So the, the spotlight and hearing the name Tongala uh, just in, in, uh, uh, from, from the the big smoke is a big thing for them. They told me about he, so Harley had a, a week off from under 18's duties, um, and wanted to play one last game for Tongala and they deliberately didn't name him in the, in the side on Thursday because they thought they, they might have an avalanche of, yep, of, yep. of people heading there. So they kept it quiet, but around town they knew and they all got in their cars, drove up to Echuca to watch him play. He, Tongala didn't have a great season, but he kicks three or four goals in the second half. They win the game and there's these mass celebrations. And I think someone someone said to me, there were 30-year-old guys who've played for our club for years who were trying harder than I've ever seen them try because they know that this is the day that everyone's going to talk about Harley's farewell. So there was that. And you know, like I, I went into the pub. The pub up there is sort of the, the heartbeat of Tongala. And a, a few years ago, the, the Nestle factory, which was one of the big... Employers of people in Tongala shut down, hundreds of people lost jobs, so forth. So the, the town, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of shops boarded up on the main street. The pub even closed down for a while during COVID, but went into the pub, the pub's out back up and running, spoke to the, the publican. He tells me, wait, a, hang on a second. And he goes, and, he goes to, into the bistro and grabs Harley's grandfather. So that's the sort of atmosphere that everyone knows everyone in that town. And, uh, you just, to go up there and experience what it means to them was just really lovely. And I I think that's the sort of the sort of the other things that happen with a draft that we maybe we don't see when we, we think about just purely about what, who my team has got.
0: Lovely. Lovely. All right. Leave us with a final note. So we lost Ted Hopkins during the week, a, a figure from footy's imagination, I think.
1: Yeah. Ted Hopkins, and we talked. We talked about Ted Hopkins just recently, didn't, didn't we? we? And and clearly, his um, influence on stats and all that uh, ha, ha, will continue long for, for for many years. But I feel like a Ted Hopkins medal, not actually a medal, but we just a faux after, one for uh, us. Yes, yeah. after each grand final, we we give a Ted Hopkins medal to say who was the lesser light or the bit player who had the greatest impact on, on the day, or it could be, it could be used in any sport Yeah, can be used in entertainment. It could be used in any, any sphere really, but doing a Ted Hopkins, that's, that's something that we should start um, adding to the vernacular. I love it. Uh, good to see
0: you. Good to see you too, Jared. Shannon Gill, a bit of know your history on a Thursday. I'm going to share with uh, you a little of my summer project. I've got a little summer project on the go. I want to share that with you next. Here, This is Waitley for Hyundai. The Hyundai 2023 SUV event is on now and Host Plus.